This week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast believes that you should live every week as if it's Shark Week. Happy Shark Week, everybody. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. What's up, man? Here, uh, not much. Um, you always surprise me because I guess I just don't pay attention to when Shark Week is anymore. <laughs> but I feel like every year on the podcast, it rolls around and I'm like, Oh, man, it's Shark Week. I should have known this, but uh, I've, I guess I cut the cable a couple of years ago. So I just am completely unaware of, you know, when Shark Week is actually going on. Here's the thing. And I thought about this a long a while back and someone asked me what my favorite animal was. and I literally sat there in a moment of silence for just a brief moment. And I was like, it's sharks. It's always been sharks. Sharks are awesome. Sharks are like, like literally. Um, and I was like, and because of that, like on Instagram, there's a feed that I follow called discovering sharks, which is amazing. Just some really, really cool footage. Sometimes it's still images. Sometimes it's people diving with them. And then there's another feed that I follow called discovering the ocean or discovery ocean or whatever. And it's literally just not just sharks, but it's everything. So sometimes it's a killer whale. Sometimes it's an octopus. Sometimes it's, you know, it's just weird shit. Um, but they're really, really <laughs> nice. they're, they're really cool feeds. And I just like they, they just caught my attention. And like because of that, it's just in my feed when I'm just going through social media every now and then I'm like, oh, hey, Shark Week's next week. You know what I mean? It's just always you just always know. But uh, I always <laughs> I always like Shark Week. It's just a fun time. So um, anyway, um, and I, I made that comment earlier today to someone i was like you should live every week like it's shark week and they were like what does that even mean <laughs> it I'm means like, watch a lot of the discovery channel and like, uh, increase like, your brain cells i guess it's, uh, it's a great question what does that even mean um but anyway you're back from vacation so welcome back man how was vacation oh yeah it was great um so yeah i went on a family vacation and we uh we went down to Florida and uh, stopped in Tennessee on the way there and back. So uh, my vacation, my vacation really uh, ranged from hiking through the Smoky Mountains to uh, swimming in the Gulf of Mexico to uh, going downtown Nashville. And uh, it was a blast and it was a nice long break. And uh, I mean, man, it was two weeks long and I haven't taken a vacation that long. And uh it might be going on a decade at this point. So it was just a really nice, long needed break. And uh, since I was uh, swimming in the ocean, I have had like sharks on the brain a little bit. So it's kind of cool that it's shark week. Um, I've kind of been wanting to uh, revisit the Jaws movies or something like that, just because I was just in the ocean and I've just kind of in that sort of summer jawsy, sharky sort of mood. You know what I mean? You know, I, what I think is funny is there's a group of people out there that do this. And, you know, when you're on an airplane, you don't want to be watching a movie about an airplane crash. 
Um, but I'm the kind of guy that does that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, what's the most horrible thing you could think of and like watch that movie <laughs> in the same environment that you're, and it makes me laugh because, uh, big bang theory had an episode like that where, uh, uh, the guys were like up in the North pole doing some studying and, uh, and <laughs> I know where this is going. They were yeah. literally like, you guys want to watch the thing or do you want to watch like, and then they were like all these horror movies about the Arctic. <laughs> like, That's just hilarious <laughs> because I'd be the guy that would have been like, let's do that. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm the same way. Um, I also like really wanted to not, I mean, it's different than Florida cause the movie takes place on an Island, but I was in a real big, like, I know what you did last summer too, sort of mood. Cause that's where they go to the Island resort and the killers chasing them around and stuff. And that's the one with, uh, Jack black plays the weird stoner guy that works for the resort yeah, they're yeah. at and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've always been kind of like, well, maybe not always, but I always enjoy like, you know, watching the horror movie based around either the season of the year or what I'm about to do, because it's just so much cooler to uh, go into somewhere and think like maybe we're being stalked by a killer or, or monsters are hunting us and stuff. And uh, so I'm totally the same way, you know, uh, like you said, like go on a plane and watch Final Destination. But um, with all this being said on uh, the trip I took, my one regret is I kept pretty busy and I haven't really watched and read much. I kind of was hoping that I was going to, you know, I brought books and graphic novels and stuff and just <laughs> didn't find a lot of time to read, which I was hoping to do. So uh, my watching and reading would could be pretty short, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if we should roll into that. Well, um, I'll say this. I'll let you start like, yo, because you always start first. I'll let you go first. But I will say that I am two episodes behind on Loki. And I'm kind of oh. mad at myself that I'm two episodes behind on Loki, but I will get caught up. It is important. Um, but I've been slammed busy. So um, go ahead. I just wanted you to know that before we start reviewing. So, Loki. so you've watched uh, episode four all the way through I'm, and then I've only watched one through three. So I have not watched four and five. And then okay. Tomorrow, okay. tomorrow six will drop and I'll be three in. So. Yeah. Well, so here's what's going to happen, because I've watched episode four and about half of episode five. Um, so I was really trying to catch up before the <laughs> before this episode. But um, it sounds like I haven't watched too much further than uh, where you're at. Um, okay. I will say episode four is great. Um to me, like I've I've really been been enjoying the show. Uh, my only like tiny complaint is I feel like episode one and episode three kind of moved a little bit slow for me, but episode two and episode four, I absolutely love. <laughs> so the even numbered episodes, I'm really digging. <laughs> so uh, so um, into a Star Trek kind of a thing. <laughs> maybe, maybe just for <laughs> me, though, I, people might be calling me crazy, but um, it sounds like we're both going to catch up by next uh, week and we'll have our full Loki review on the, on the next episode. Yeah, probably. Um, and um, it, might be, it might be nice to watch to binge like a couple episodes at a time because I felt the third episode was where I liked the third episode. It felt disjointed, but it didn't roll like it the way it ended. I was like, well, shoot, I got to wait till next week. OK, like it just it felt like kind of out there. But he would in the third episode, he's trying to get off the planet that's like about to explode and he spends the whole time on the planet. You know what I mean? So it didn't really like move the plot the way I was hoping it was going to move the plot. 
So, but that's all right. Um, but so absolutely. But I will say, um, episode four, there's like tons of payoffs from the third episode. So it's, it's going in a really great direction that I've seen so far, but I don't want to say too much more since, uh, I'm a little ahead of you. Um, and then within the Marvel realm of things, uh, so your confession is you're a little bit behind on Loki. My confession is I have yet to see black widow. Unfortunately, um, it's kind of been, you know, coming back from vacation, it's just kind of been crazy catching up with work and everything. And I just haven't been able to, uh, work it into my schedule. I plan to see black widow as soon as possible though. <laughs> so, <laughs> so hopefully next week I'll be able to give my review and drew, I'm pretty sure you've already seen black widow. Correct. I sure have. Was it awesome? Uh, yes. Are you done with your watching and reading before I go? Cause I don't want to like step oh. on your- no, I did have one quick thing I wanted to mention. Um, I started watching Fear Street on Netflix. Um, are you familiar with this or have you checked it out, Drew? I know of it. I have not had a chance to check it out, but it looks awesome. Yeah, that's what's that's the thing is. Um, so I'm I've mentioned Goosebumps a ton of times in the past, and I have a weird soft spot for uh, R.L. Stein, even though <laughs> a lot of the old Goosebumps books aren't really that great. It's just kind of something I grew up with. I never really read uh, much of the Fear Street books at all, but uh, from my understanding, they're definitely like young adult. They're not very mature and like they're horror stories, but I don't think they're super violent and gruesome. And uh, the coolest part about Fear Street is it's like super violent, super gruesome totally rated our horror and uh i'm only uh i start i watched the first um the first movie within this mini series so i watched part one 1994 and uh it was just really enjoyable i'm about halfway through uh part two i need to catch up on that one as well but it's one of those things where i have a very young son in the house and it's just hard to uh find time to watch all the violent, gruesome movies that I actually want to watch. But, uh, no, part, part one is really awesome. Um, it just got a really fun vibe. Like there's parts of the show that remind me a lot or the parts of the movie that remind me a lot of Riverdale in certain ways. Um, there's parts of the movie that remind me a lot of, um, uh, scary stories to tell in the dark. Um, it's just, it's just a really fun time. Uh, I will say the other thing I will say is the soundtrack is great because this is a movie that takes place in 1994 and you watch the movie and it really feels like the music they pick is like just some of the best music from the nineties. And it's like, it makes you feel nostalgic, but it's a lot of the music they play. It's just like, yeah, this is a damn good song. Like this isn't, (laughs) this isn't like a nostalgic in an annoying way at all. So I've, I just really had a fun time with the first one. There's one kill towards the end that is just really, really great. But otherwise, I think it's just like overall, it's just a solid kind of like teen based horror movie. It's not going to win any Oscars. It's not the greatest thing ever, but I think it's just a really uh, fun show so far. And uh, hopefully by next week, I'll have watched all of this, too, so I can kind of give my full review of the the whole miniseries. But uh, yeah, definitely, if it sounds like it's up your alley, definitely check Fear Street out because I've been having a blast with it so far. All right. I will. I that's uh, you're kind of selling me on it more than I was already sold. So one, I look forward to your review. And secondly, I will make put it on the fast track list. Um, <laughs> OK, nice. <laughs> Loki's kind of priority in the fast track because I need to get caught up. But um, 
Yes, uh, I'll make sure that gets on there. Um, Fear Street's another one of those things where I think after the first scene, you're going to know, like, if this is a show or I guess I keep saying show if this is a series for you or not. You know, you're going to watch the first scene and you're going to either think it's awesome or you're going to be like, meh. And then, you know, that's your choice if you want to move on with it. But, yeah, I'm I've I've been enjoying it for sure. Well, that's an interesting way of wording that. But all right. That makes sense. Um, so uh, first off in the uh, let's go for the reading category. Um, I talked about how I've been uh, reading through the DC Infinite Universe app, DC Universe Infinite app, the DC comic reader, basically. Um, yeah, you weren't here. I talked about this when Adam was on uh, while you, while Adam was filling your seat, helping me keep the lights on uh, while you were on vacation. Um, I because of how much I've enjoyed the DC Universe app, um, I started to get a little itchy and um jumped on the Marvel Unlimited app as well. So I am now catching up on both fronts. Um, I'm very behind in Marvel Comics, but I'm catching up, and it's awesome. And I've been reading through um, – I jumped right to New Avengers, uh, which is I, – I, I read the first maybe 12 issues of New Avengers, and that's where I kind of fell off the wagon a little bit. Um, but I jumped back into that, started at the beginning of it. It's just – it's just awesome being able to have literally all of it at my fingertips on both major pillars. So um, kind of digging through the Marvel stuff and like, what haven't I read? Where am I missing out on that kind of thing? So even though I vocally have said that I prefer DC, it's awesome to be able to read all of it and have an opinion on all of it, which isn't like predicated on me just preferring one or the other by his opinion. But it's just it's it's interesting to you know, read Marvel for a couple days and you're like, well, let's go back and see what Batman and Superman are up to. And you read that for a couple <laughs> days and then you jump over and like, we got to see what's going on with Spider-Man and you read that. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's kind of cool to bounce between the two of them. So. Absolutely. Like, um, I don't know. I like, I prefer DC as well, but every once in a while I do get into a, uh, you know, one of the Marvel series. And that's just because like sometimes your favorite writers or favorite artists jump back and forth between the companies. Yeah. Um, like I remember, um, back when the whole like red Hulk saga was going on. Um, I never really read a ton of Hulk comics, but I read a lot of those. And it was mainly because a lot of those books were drawn by either Ed McGinnis or Art Adams. And those are two of my favorite artists. So it was just kind of this thing where like, yeah, I got to check this out. Like I love the artwork and then you get more into the story and stuff. So I definitely love jumping back and forth between the big two as well. So and uh, I guess I'm just listening to this and thinking like I really still need to get <laughs> both of these apps, you know, <laughs> well, um, I would say don't do what I did. Start with one and then realize how much you're using it before you jump on the other. Cause I was literally like, cause like I said, man, it's not conducive for me to, um, you know, drag like, cause you know, in my old jobs, I used to bring a comic book to work and I'd have like the trade sitting with me at lunch and I'd sit and read like every day. I'd just read some more comics. That's what I did on my lunch breaks. And now I'm in a job where I can't do that. And to be able to have it on my phone at my fingertips whenever I want, it's just kind of nice to be able to just pull it up and read for a little bit, you know? So it's just, it's really conducive for my working lifestyle at the moment. Um, as much as I want to support brick and mortar, it makes this really, really easy for me um, to just get the content and be able to read these amazing stories. So um, that's the reason, awesome. that's the reason I talk up both those apps. So, and they're very, they're almost identical interfaces. It's like, it's kind of like DC was like, well, that's it. Cause Mar the Marvel app came first. So it's almost like DC's like, well, that's how the Marvel one works. We're going to make just a couple slight adjustments and here's how ours works. It's literally almost the same interfaces. That's great. Um, <laughs> the one thing I was explaining to Adam, the one of the biggest differences that I noticed literally right away. And I think it's a really easy fix that Marvel needs to implement is 
Marvel doesn't allow pinch and zoom where the DC one does allow pinch and zoom. Right. And that's like, so Marvel, you can pinch and zoom when it's on a full page spread, but if it's a panel by panel, you can't pinch and zoom and that's, and DC allows it on either way. Um, so I'm just saying Marvel, if you're listening, just it's a slight adjustment you need on the app. Otherwise they're both apps are perfect. <laughs> so, but I noticed <laughs> that awesome. if, if it is an issue of pinch and zoom, if I turn my phone sideways, it kind of blows it up a little bit and I'm like, Oh, no big deal. Um, <laughs> so, nice. um, at any rate, aside from that, uh, the watching category. Um, I talked to Adam. I didn't get really to give you the review, but I did watch the Tomorrow War um, on Amazon. Have you seen the trailer for that? Maybe it sounds a little familiar, but yeah, I'm not it's, really it's, sure. It's it's Chris Pratt going into the future to fight aliens. Uh, <laughs> All right, then. And, and, uh, <laughs> but I think I, you know, I think I've seen like ads for this online. I just didn't know what it was. So I don't know. Well, really not, too much about I'm it. I'm not going to go into a full review because you'll hear my you'll hear my review when I talked about it with Adam on the show because I know you'll listen. But the um, uh, I really enjoyed it. I'm kind of curious as to your opinion. I thought the creatures were amazing. I didn't like them at first, and then the more encounters you had with them, I'm like, man, these things are intense. Like they were just cool creatures. Um, the thing that bugged me, I think the most was that, uh, I felt very forced into the story, um, okay. as an audience member, but the characters are very forced into the story. So maybe that was done by design. Like I was supposed to feel the way they feel, you know what I mean? Like maybe that was the whole point. Uh, so I'm curious your thoughts on that when you get a chance to watch it, but overall it's a fun, it's a fun ride. And there were some things I didn't see coming, and there were some surprises along the way and, the action was good, you know, so overall, like, I, I kind of really enjoyed it. Uh, that sounds uh, awesome. You said it's on uh, it's on Prime. Yep. And this is a movie. It is. A show? It is a movie. It's called The Tomorrow War. It's literally okay. two hours and like four minutes. So you have. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Good. It's it's good. Um, I really I enjoyed it. I'd probably give it like a seven point five out of ten. OK, um, sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely have to check that out soon. Um, and then uh, the next movie review I'm going to give you is Black Widow. Um, I've been waiting forever to see this. Um, it finally hits the theaters. Yes, I could watch it on Disney Plus Premiere Access, but I decided, you know what? I'm sorry. I have to go back to the theater. I went back to the theater. Um, I bought my ticket a month prior. My The seat I always get. I got in my seat. Guy walks in, sits down, sees me reading the Marvel comic app while I'm waiting for the movie to start. So him and I automatically start talking comics, which was awesome. Um, <laughs> and then he's like, by the way, you're in the seat I always buy. I'm like, really? Because this is the seat I always buy. <laughs> so um, it was great because when the movie was over, I was like, man, I'll see you at the next movie. You know what I mean? It was kind of a cool. <laughs> nice. It was kind of a cool uh, little bit there. Um, it was awesome to see all the trailers that we've been talking about on the show on the big screen again. Um, and you're just like, whoa, I've seen all these trailers, but to see them presented on the big screen, I was like, wow, this is cool. Um, so if you are a trailer guy, if you're, if you're a trailer guy like our brother who doesn't want to watch trailers because trailers are spoilers, quote unquote, um, you're there's a lot there that could be spoilers because I mean, there's a lot. So um, it, it was just a lot of trailers. But the movie itself, Black Widow, is easily probably one of my favorite Marvel movies, hands down, first watch. Here we go. Um, yes, Marvel has their uh, formula down. They have their way about doing stuff, but it's easily one of my favorites. The movie was fantastic. Um, 
knowing that it's Scarlett Johansson's last kind of had me bummed out by the end. But I was like, but for being angry about how she died in uh, Endgame, I mean, I understand. I'm, I know that I've voiced my opinions about that, but knowing how she died in Endgame always had me bummed out. But this was, oh, man, it was so good. Um, I literally teared up at the beginning. It is such a heart wrenching opening. Um, and I legit cried at the end of the movie. I'm not going to lie. Um, but the movie was absolutely great. Um, I don't want to like spoil too much. I really don't. Um, you know, a heavy amount, you know, a little bit about, you know, a little bit about Black Widow's origin, where she came from, the fact that she was trained in Russia as a spy and all that stuff. And they talk about some of the conditioning she had to go through. So when they do the opening of the movie, um, you kind of see the beginning of that when she was little. Matt, I know that's a little bit of a spoiler, but it's the opening of the movie. Um, <laughs> that's right. So I don't I just don't feel like I'm spoiling a little bit by saying that. Um, and the uh, and it kind of goes from there. But when you as it predicates through, um, it's it's awesome. I will say in the watching, like where you watch it, where does it fall? Uh, this I'm going to spoil because I'm kind of trying to decide in my head how it works. Um, the movie takes place between Civil War when the Avengers are all disassembled and broken up and Infinity War when they all get together to fight Thanos. So it's somewhere in that space. Um, there's enough references from Civil War so you understand it took place afterwards. And there's enough to get you to go, oh, that's where she is when Infinity War begins. Um, so you know that it fits in that space. The catches, the bonus scene. I'm trying to decide if the bonus scene, which blew my mind, takes place post endgame or because we know how secret of a life she had. It doesn't matter where that bonus scene takes place. Um, but we'll talk about that after you've seen the movie. How's that? OK. Yeah, sounds great. Um, yeah. Um, and I don't want to spoil the bonus scene because literally my mind went, oh, my God. Um, and we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that after you've seen the movie. So, yeah, I, I, I do think it's interesting that, uh, that time slot for it, um, being between civil war and, um, infinity war, like that seems like a really, I didn't really think about when this movie was going to take place, but it seems like a really good, like, it seems like a, that's a spot in the Marvel timeline that would make a lot of sense. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, I did want to ask, do you think if you rewatch the MCU, would you watch this movie after watching Endgame or would you watch it in, uh, I guess, chronological timeline well, order? Well, that's what I'm saying with the bonus scene. So and I say this because there's a lot of people like you that are like, you got to watch Captain America at the beginning because it takes place in the 40s. And then you watch Iron Man one. But then there's people that are like, well, then you watch you got to watch Captain America because it takes place in the 40s. And then you have to watch Captain Marvel because it takes place in the 90s. And then you watch Iron Man one. <laughs> this is this is what I'm going to say to that. Iron Man one is the beginning, period. End of discussion. <laughs> if you look at the bonus scenes, it's the bonus scenes that are your triggers. I really, truly believe those bonus scenes set up the next movie over and over and over. Whatever the bonus scene, it sets up the next. The bonus scene sets up the next. It really does, in my opinion. If you look at the bonus scene of Captain America one, it directly sets up Avengers. And the reason it sets up Avengers, is because half the bonus scene is legitimately a bonus scene. And then it goes to and shows you the Avengers trailer. <laughs> um, it's a really weird bonus scene for Captain America one. Captain, yeah, absolutely. Captain Marvel's bonus scene. 
here's the thing. Captain Marvel, if you watch it at the beginning, you will not you don't know who Captain Marvel is and you'll never see that character again for another 22 movies. Um, so I find it very strange that you would watch it at the beginning and you'll never see Captain Marvel again for 20 some movies. But the bonus scene would make no sense if you watched <laughs> it as the second movie, because the bonus scene leads directly into Endgame. Yeah, that makes sense. I was also thinking that uh, it might be weird having the scrolls introduced like the second movie you watch in the MCU. And then and then, you know, not many movies trying to figure out who's who and are they a scroll and not a scroll. Like. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know that there's going to be people who are still going to say, no, you need to watch these movies in chronological timeline order and you need to watch the bonus scenes <laughs> in a different right. order. <laughs> right. So after you're done watching this movie, you have to pop in this DVD and watch the bonus scene. And Just then you the got to move on. To the <laughs> yep. And you and you can do that all you want. All I'm saying is, is that those bonus scenes are kind of a trigger, in my opinion. And if you listen to dialogue cues and pay attention to where things fall. That kind of goes. So Black Widow, when you see the bonus scene, you're going to understand what I'm talking about, because Black Widow has a very she's she's essentially a spy. Right. We're we're like really talking tonight. She's essentially a spy. <laughs> I, I just was like, wow, we've been talking a lot. And we haven't even got to news yet. So Black Widow is essentially a spy. But because of that spy life, when you see the bonus scene, you're going to think to yourself, well, does this take place post endgame after she's dead or does this take place where the movie takes place? And we're assuming this because of the secret life she led. And I'll okay. leave it and I'll leave it at that because it made me go. That's interesting because it could go both ways. So I'm kind of curious as to your opinion when you get there also. And I'm going to say this. This is technically a spoiler, but Marvel made it very clear that you need to be paying attention to the shows and the movies, and they all run together now. This bonus scene is a direct contributor contributory to that comment that they that Marvel made. You need to be watching shows and movies together, period. Um, and I won't say why. I'm just going to say when you see this scene, you're going to go, oh, that's why. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Anyway, Black Widow was amazing. Um, I give it a I give it a 10 out of 10. Uh, I had nothing bad to say about the movie. Um, It was fantastic. (laughs) I love I absolutely loved it. Um, You give it 10 top fives out of 10. (laughs) Yep. I I absolutely loved it. So let's um, let's hop into the news, man, because we got a couple stories I can drop and make them nice and easy. Um, And then uh, we'll go from there. Real quick, uh, there's a story that Adam and I covered while you were gone about Zack Snyder has a uh, movie that's being pitched to Netflix. Um, It's called Rebel Moon. Um, Okay. It's a Star Wars inspired uh, military space film, Um, which sounds kind of cool. Reading through it and you're like, okay, Star Wars inspired, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Adam and I were talking about how. Um, you know, that makes you think to yourself, well, what about Star Wars? You know what I mean? Is this going to be like a Star Wars ripoff? Um, I don't necessarily know if that's the case so much as it's like, hey, why not do why not have a military space film? I mean, Avatar is a military space film. Starship Troopers is a military space film. Uh, Zack Snyder's got some cool stuff he's doing. So he's 
working on this military space moon movie called Rebel Moon, what I found out was Zack Snyder had pitched a script for a Star Wars film to Lucasfilm during the regime change of Lucasfilm to Disney. Mm -hmm. Um, It is not going through. So Zack Snyder is reworking his Star Wars script to be this Rebel Moon story. Mm -hmm. Um, So it sounds like he's basically going, well, they're not going to let me do what I want to do over at Star Wars, so I'll just go do it anyway, but I'm going to rework it and make it my own thing and just take all the Star Wars-esque stuff out of it because it's inspired by Star Wars anyway. And that makes me kind of interested. It makes me wonder what he had, and it makes me wonder if when I see it, we'll be able to pick out the Star Wars. Do you know what I mean? Like, that? oh, that was clearly would have been a cool Star Wars movie if they would have made it Star Wars. So, yeah, absolutely. I think the thing you need to remember is everything is inspired by something else, you know, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Star Wars was inspired by, you know, Flash Gordon and old samurai movies, as well as many other things. And if you go back through the generations, like Beowulf was probably inspired by other <laughs> like oral uh, epic po- poems and stuff like that. So I wouldn't let the whole like Star Wars inspired um really you know get to anybody's head you know i think it's it'll be really interesting to hear what or i guess to see what happens with this project um it's kind of funny because i actually did hear about this a long time ago that i didn't know that Zack snyder actually pitched a star wars movie but i heard like a rumor that Zack snyder wanted to do a star wars project and uh that he was he just decided to you know pursue it as like its own thing instead of being related to star wars but yeah. um I enjoyed Army of the Dead a lot. Um, I really like how Netflix is definitely like a uh, it's a platform that really seems to let their directors do whatever they want. So with that being said, like some of their movies aren't always the greatest, but they're I think they're always interesting to see, um, you know, to see what happens. You know, a lot of times they feel like really big budget indie movies in a weird way where you don't really know what to expect. So uh, this will be just a really cool, uh, cool story to see how it develops, I, I'd say. Yeah, me too. So we'll see. I'm just looking forward. I'm just looking forward to it just because it sounds cool. Um, I'm going to cut out some of these easy ones real quick. Um, the Witcher 2 season will premiere on uh, the Witcher season two to premieres December 17th for anyone who was keeping track of that and wanted to know. Um, yeah, I can't wait. Um, that's going to be an awesome Christmas present. Have you seen the the new trailer for The Witcher yet? No, I haven't. That's that's one of those things where, like, I, as soon as I read the story, I'm like, shoot, I didn't watch that before. We did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all good. I um, I kind of I mean, I don't know if they didn't give a lot of the story away or if I just kind of tried to uh look at it like from a visual sense and uh, try not to pay too much attention to the story details in the trailer just because I don't want to spoil anything. But no, it looks really cool. Like it looks like I don't know. The first season was overall pretty badass. So I'm just looking forward to more uh, Witcher coming out. And I hope it's as good, if not better than the first season. Like uh, it it should be really badass. And uh, I'm just hoping they have a little less uh, lore dumping that they do this season but uh yeah overall this is really exciting well let's um yeah i'm i i gotta go watch this trailer and then i'll have more to say on that actually (laughs) um so have you seen the trailer for the new disney movie el canto no yeah i'm not familiar with this all right so um it's a movie of uh about it's called El Canto, Encanto, Encanto, not El Canto, Encanto, E N C A N T O. 
Um, it features a family living in a magical house in the mountains of Columbia. Okay. Um, watch the trailer. Um, I feel like I've seen this movie. <laughs> like, it's really weird. Um, I, <laughs> while I was watching the trailer, I'm like, but I've seen that movie. You know what I mean? I really was like, what is this? I don't really get it. Like, it kind of was weird and it just it didn't sit right with me. So when you get a chance, watch the trailer. Um, it just kind of was like, oh, a new Disney animated movie. Cool. Let's see what they got. And I'm like, what is this? Um, I don't know if it's straight to Disney Plus or if it's going to be uh, theater release or because, you know, now in the days you don't know what's going to be straight to streaming or something like that. But this one, I just I feel like I've seen it. I feel like it's something it doesn't feel new. Like, do you, um, do you literally feel like you've actually seen it or it just no. seems like a really familiar plot sort of thing? A uh, little of both. <laughs> it's like, like a weird Mandela effect sort of uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> phenomenon. Maybe, maybe it is. Uh, I just I just wanted to bring that up. Like, it's my thoughts briefly on the trailer, but the animation looks amazing. Um, so, yeah. Uh, weird. Um, yeah, I'll definitely have to check it out. I know that, um, like, in the past, there's some weird um, Disney... Uh, controversies like um, if you're familiar with the anime uh, Kimba and the or Kimba the White Lion, um, the Lion King borrowed pretty extensively from that old uh, 80s anime, and uh, I think there's even an anime that supposedly Disney borrowed a lot from to uh, make the uh, Lost City of Atlantis anime animated movie. If you remember that one, so there are some weird controversies like that in the past. So I wouldn't be surprised if like. <laughs> maybe disney borrowed a lot from another movie for encanto but i'll have to check out the trailer and let you know my thoughts yeah um yeah let me know what you think um now peter i have a whole bunch of marvel stuff to discuss real quick um but okay. uh there's a piece of sad news that broke while you were on vacation and i it it was we had to cover it on the show while you were gone but it, it's definitely worth getting your opinion because i actually have a direct quote from kevin feige here that i wanted to read um, just as a follow up. But while you were on vacation, Richard Donner passed away. Yeah, I did see. So I was on vacation, so I really wasn't using um, I wasn't using social media that much. But I did. I saw somebody tweet out like a Richard Donner tribute or something. And then I was just like, man, that uh, that really sucks. Um it's kind of I don't know what to say and I don't know all the details of it, but uh, it's definitely really sad to see him go. Like it, it sounded like it was just old age. He was 91, 92, I think. Um, but it's it just you're, between the two of us, you're a much bigger Superman fan than I am. Um, so I didn't know because he's I feel like he's most well, like, yes, he's made other movies, but I really feel like he's most well known for making us believe a man can fly. Um, and I figured you'd have something to add to that. So I just thought I'd, you know, Peter needs a moment to say something if you wanted to, that kind of thing. So, no, yeah, I think it's um, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where um, a lot of Richard Donner's movies, um, I think, came out when I was really young. So I'm not as familiar with him as a lot of other directors, but I think uh, like the first two Superman movies, like I love those films and I grew up watching them and they're, you know, some of my favorite films about one of my favorite superheroes. So I'm definitely just really sad to hear that he, that he passed away. Um, and I'm just kind of thinking like about how, uh, when we had my friend, uh, Matt Roth on the show and we were talking about fantasy movies, I think, um, 
uh, Matt mentioned that uh, Richard Donner directed, was it Silverhawk? Is that what the movie's called? Uh, Something maybe. like that. But but yeah, it was it was one of the fantasy movies. So now I feel like this is lighting a uh, fire under my ass, for lack of a better term, to actually watch that fantasy movie and, you know, just check out more of Richard Donner's stuff. But um, no, he's definitely a legend. And uh, it's definitely just really like I'm really sorry to see him go. But um, I'm going to like at, at my household, like we're all huge super Superman fans. So we definitely adore those uh Christopher Reeve Superman movies. So um, his uh, his legacy is definitely living on uh, over here, at least, um, as well as I know a lot of other uh, a lot of other people hold those movies very dearly. So good. Well, we all know we talked about how Marvel has this thing where they always anytime they start pre-production on a film, they all sit down and watch Superman one. And um, Kevin Feige being the big fan when uh, this after Kevin, sorry, after Adam and I closed, turned off the mics, Kevin Feige posted this uh, quote uh, statement. Uh, he said, Richard Donner has not only made me believe a man could fly. He made me believe that comic characters could be brought to life on the big screen with heart, humor and humanity. And and uh, above all, he taught me that it can that it can and must be done with respect. Caring and kindness to everyone in front and behind the camera. Dick and Laura became mentors during my early career and key supporters throughout the birth of the MCU. I owe my career to the way they took the time to nurture and teach a kid from New Jersey who didn't know how to use a fax machine or make coffee very well. I always thought Dick was a mentor. I still do. Um, I just thought that was really awesome to hear from Kevin Feige about that. Um, so I just wanted to read that just because I just thought it was a great quote. So. No, it's awesome. And I, I think it's um it's pretty evident um how, uh, you know, those original Donner Superman films definitely did leave a huge mark on the MCU that so, you know, a, a movie universe that just so many people love um, and has just lived on, like has just kind of captivated so many people like it's you can definitely see the mark of uh, the Donner Superman films um, on the MCU and uh I think it's just it's just it's just cool that they watch that movie every time they start production on a new Marvel movie. Um, I kind of and I I don't know this, but I always suspected that um, Sam Raimi took a lot of uh, inspiration from the original Donner Superman film um, when, you know, he started working on the old Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. And I think it's it's one of those things where if you watch the first Spider-Man movie and albeit I know Spider-Man and Superman are pretty similar characters when you know on paper at least i do think you can see the mark of that donner superman on um the you know the original uh, sam raimi spider-man movie um and i just think it's cool that um you know just the legacy that uh that superman film has left um just on comic book movies in general like we would not be in this awesome superhero movie pop culture world without, um, that original Donner film. So, uh, yeah, like you said earlier, he made us believe a man can fly and, uh, it's just awesome. Yeah. Um, I agree. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Um, we talked about black widow. Let's talk about that real quick. Black widow. Uh, we're starting to talk box office dollars again. I know it's not something we've talked about in a while, but we live in a really weird moment how like movie theaters are trying to pick up the pay, uh, puzzle pieces. 
Black Widow snags $218 million worldwide and as the biggest opening since the pandemic began. Um, the new film opened to $80 million at the domestic box office, um, the highest box office uh, since the coronavirus pandemic combined, uh, began, combined with $78 million overseas haul and $60 million to Disney Plus uh, premier access buy-ins. This means that Black Widow... Um, is the biggest domestic opening since the rise of Skywalker. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so if theater, if the pandemic didn't exist, uh, we're looking at easy, like you're looking at least, uh, I, just based on that statement alone and the ratios, you're looking at almost a $2 billion film. Um, and it, you know, it just shows to the success that I really wish we didn't have to wait as long as we did to get it, but yay for Black Widow. Yeah, well, it's just the uh, the world's opening up again. So it's just kind of a, a great like big movie that I feel like people finally feel like they can go to the movie theaters again. And uh, yeah. it's just really awesome. Um, I wanted to mention before moving on. Sorry, this is kind of a bit of a tangent backwards. It was Lady Hawk is the movie that Richard Donner oh, uh, directed right. that yeah, I still yeah. haven't seen, but I definitely want to check out. Um, and yeah, that story just kind of is lighting a fire under my butt. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So Kevin Feige's comments on Spider-Man and Venom crossover in the MCU. Um, he says, I don't want to talk about rumors or speculation on what could happen or what couldn't happen as it relates to characters Marvel Studios hasn't brought into the screen yet. But I will say that I've always said, having been at Marvel Studios for 20 years, I wouldn't dismiss anything. I wouldn't rule anything out. So that's Kevin Feige's way of saying, I'm not going to give you an answer. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, which kind of made me laugh. But at the same time, they're trying to play nice with Sony. And there's been some really good moves about getting Spider-Man movies to Disney Plus and stuff like that. And Sony's trying to play nice. So it all, you know, all works together because Sony understands it's a moneymaker for them. Disney understands it's a moneymaker for them. If we play nice, we can all figure this ball out. So... Let's see how this all plays out in the best way I can put it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I think the quote is uh, it's like just hopeful enough, but just ambiguous enough that it's just it's just a really way, good way for him to handle the situation because he's not making any promises. He's not going to disappoint anybody later, but he's still, you know, opening us up to the possibility of it actually happening. And that's what's uh, really great about this. Uh, that yeah. quote there. Yeah. Kevin Feige also uh talked about Catherine Hahn returning as Agatha Harkness from WandaVision. Um, he says she will be back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and uh, he just says that's all he's saying. Okay, nice. <laughs> yeah, she will be back and she'll be back sooner than later. Um, so that's awesome. Um, I don't know if that means Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness or if that means uh, something else. Um, but I'm down for more because Catherine Hahn's awesome. The character was great. So let's see where we take it. Yeah, absolutely. Who doesn't want to see her come back into uh, the MCU? <laughs> yeah. All right. So last news story, and then we'll talk our list tonight. So the Emmy nominations are in. Um, and I'm not going to go over all the Emmy nominations, but I did pull up. Um, I did pull up the list so we could talk about some key moments that I needed that I feel are very important to discuss. So, um, Emmy nominations, uh, The Mandalorian and The Crown have the most Emmy nominations of everything, both tied with 24 nominations. Awesome. Um, and then 
what really caught my attention, and this is awesome, um, WandaVision pulls in a total 23 Emmy nominations, including Outstanding. Wow limited series. So yay for WandaVision. I knew it was going to get, I knew it was going to get any attention, but that's fantastic. Um, here's the big one. So I'm going to read a couple of these. Um, this is what I think is interesting. Outstanding drama. So best drama you get. And I'm going to, um, yes, you have Bridgerton on there. Yes. You have the crown. You have love, uh, and you have pose and this is us, right? But here's the side, here's sci-fi. Mandalorian, Lovecraft Country, Handmaid's Tale, and The Boys are all outstanding drama series. That's huge to have that many sci-fi on there. Um, and then the thing that really caught my attention is I'm going to actually like skip some of the best actor stuff like that, and I'm going to jump down to limited series. Now, limited series, um, which I thought was really interesting, is because it's a it's usually like it's usually like your one season or your mini mo- made for TV movies. And I've never, you don't prior to streaming, it wasn't something, it wasn't a category I really cared about. It was kind of like the independent movie. And like when they get to like the, like when you're watching the Oscars and like, Oh, here's the foreign film awards. You know what I mean? That's how it always felt to me. What's really interesting about this is limited series. You have both WandaVision and Queens Gambit for best limited series. And I'm wow. just like, holy cow, that's huge. But then we go down to um, lead actor for a limited series and we get Paul Bettany for WandaVision. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, he did a really good uh, performance on that show. Right. And then lead actors for a limit, limited series. Yes. Elizabeth Olsen, WandaVision, but also Anya Taylor-Joy for Queen's Gambit. And my brain is going, oh, my gosh, that's going to be a rough category because whether and yeah, there's other actresses in there, but it's literally like between those two, if it was down to those two, I don't know who I would want more, <laughs> you know, because um, they both I mean, they're both phenomenal. So I just I'm just I'm really excited to actually watch the Emmys this year. Like this looks like a like it's it's interesting in a world where um, we're watching more and more stuff. I'm looking at this list going, wow, I watch like all this stuff, you know, what I mean? <laughs> like as opposed to like the movies where sometimes with Oscars, it's not everything that you usually watch, if that makes sense. So, yeah, it's it's awesome. It's awesome to see so much uh, sci fi and superhero representation on there. Um, I don't watch the Emmys that religiously, so I don't know. But do they usually um, give a lot of awards and or nominations to science fiction and genre shows like this, or is this kind of a new phenomenon? I feel like it's kind of even because like game of Thrones was like a juggernaut for years, just dragging in nomination after nomination after nomination. And then you have a show like breaking bad, which is not science fiction, but it draws in tons of nominations. You know what I mean? So um, you kind of, it's, it's kind of a double edged sword. It kind of goes both ways, but they do, but they tend to acknowledge the shows that have the big. They do tend to acknowledge stuff that has massive impact. The one well, show. The, go ahead. I was going to say, I didn't know if it was like a Game of Thrones walked. So these new shows could run sort of situation or what it was. But uh, I, I definitely hear what you're saying. I think uh, there was saying, I think there was enough people to like, OK, Game of Thrones is out. So who's our best show? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not entirely sure, but um, I will say that I'm excited for it. The uh, what was I going to say? There was something I was going to bring up, but I kind of got my thoughts got derailed. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's OK. Um, it's all right. It might come to me. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it might come to me later. We'll, Abby's we'll sci-fi. Um, I don't know, Mandalorian, WandaVision. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually don't know. Sorry, I got uh, derailed there. Um, how about this? Uh, worrying about that later. Do you want to talk the list for the night? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Um, all right. Well, Ryan, it is list time, so you know what that means, dude. Roll the thing. for the top five. All right, man. So, Peter, this was your list pick. You chose this right before you went on vacation, so we've all been waiting a few weeks to discuss this list. So um, what are we talking about tonight? We are talking all about Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, all the uh, movies that he's been in and what our favorite ones are. And uh, Arnold's just... uh, He's just one of those actors that uh, he's just been in a lot of really great movies and almost every movie I've seen that he's in was a blast to watch. I say almost every because I really didn't care for that uh, zombie movie called Maggie that he was in. But we don't have to talk about that now. But every other Arnold movie I've watched for the most part, I've had so much fun, uh, you know, just consuming. And I just think uh, I just thought this would be a really fun list. Uh, We haven't done an actor in a while. And uh a lot of these a lot of Arnold's movies are classics and kind of mainstays that we talk about a lot. But he's in a lot of just random, just really fun movies as well. So I thought we could just tackle this list. And it just seemed it really just seemed a, like a lot of fun at the end of the day. <laughs> so um, to, to piggyback on that a little bit, one, I never saw Maggie. Uh, two, I have a feeling that you and I are going to match a bunch because this is absolutely talked about <laughs> heavily. Um, uh, but yeah, um, there are a couple like, so, um, like Terminator Dark Fate. I actually realized when I was doing this list, I was like, wow, I haven't watched Terminator Dark Fate yet. Um, so unfortunately I can't comment on that tonight, but, uh, I did see that it's streaming on Hulu. So I'm going to try and get that watched for next week so I can do a review just for the sake of, Hey, we haven't talked about this before. <laughs> uh, nice. Uh, but yeah, so um, I guess I got to go first, don't I? Yeah. Uh, do you have honorable mentions? I have two. Yeah. This um, okay, nice. I realized I realized that uh, there's <laughs> definitely some movies of Arnold's that I have not seen. But this is a he's like a staple action hero that has been around for like my whole life. You know what I mean? Like growing up and stuff. It's like wow, he was like one of the one of the big action figures back from you know when when I was a little kid. It was just you know Schwarzenegger was always he's always been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it's just, it, you know, and um, so, yeah, it's just there's a lot of it's like, wow, there's a lot of movies that have just had an impact because they've just been around like my whole existence, if you will. Um, so my first movie out the gate is a movie called The Sixth Day. Have you ever seen this? No, I I remember when it came out, I thought it looked really cool and I just never actually watched it for whatever I reason. Will say- <laughs> I will say it is definitely not the best um, Schwarzenegger film, but it is definitely a unique story and it's kind of interesting. It's it's about cloning, um, but kind of on a real world aspect about a corporation that does cloning. And um, one of the clones kind of I, I guess you could say becomes a little bit I don't want to I guess you could say self-aware um, and tries to like um put the pieces together but then there's a point where you're just like well who's the clone who's not the clone um it's it's kind of cool to play it out it's it's an action film just like schwarzenegger's always done but uh um it, it gets a little trippy in terms of like 
is he a clone? Is he not a clone? Is he real? Like, you know what I mean? Um, but in terms of an action movie, it's actually not that bad. I just feel it's a little underrated. Um, but like I said, it's not, it's not his best, but I just think it's an underrated film. So I felt it was worth mentioning. So, yeah, maybe this one's just, uh, I feel like this one was late nineties, early two thousands when it came out. Cause I, I just remember that cause I think I was in middle school when this came out and I just thought <laughs> I was like, Oh cool. An Arnold movie about cloning. That sounds so badass, you know, and that's really all I knew about it. Um, but maybe it's just because it came after like, you know, his eighties and early nineties heyday that people overlook this one a lot, but, uh, no, sounds awesome. Um, I'll definitely have to check this one out someday. Yeah, you will. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what's your, do you have any honorable mentions? Cause we, I don't know if you have two. You, yeah, you I have, easily have two. So <laughs> yeah, I have two as well. Um, it was actually pretty hard to narrow down my list. Um, both of my honorable mentions are extremely goofy movies, but, um, not, an extremely goofy movie, like on, you know, the Disney movie, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but so the first honorable mention that I wanted to talk about is the running man, um, which this is kind of, this is a really goofy, uh, eighties sci-fi movie. That's kind of this like futuristic battle Royale sort of situation about, and I don't even remember the plot super succinctly, but I feel like it's like prisoners battling to the death. And, uh, the reason I think I like this movie is it definitely left a mark on me where I just loved the, um, I loved the crazy set pieces because it is, it does take place in the future. I loved a lot of the crazy costumes. Like there's this one guy who looks like this, this weird, like punk rocker guy who has like a light up, like robotic looking mohawk as well as like, <laughs> this like light up leather outfit. And the movie just has like this really distinct sort of eighties character that I really enjoy. But overall it's just a really fun action movie. It's filled with horrible Arnold puns and just great action sequences. And like I said, this one's just super goofy, but I just enjoy this one a lot. <laughs> it's really all I wanted to say about this one. All right. Um, yeah, I haven't seen Running Man in such a long time. I honestly don't know how much I remember of the movie. I remember the basic plot, but I don't know, like the way you remember some movies like um, like my next honorable mention. Um, and I, you're going to kind of I feel like you're going to be kind of bummed that it's an honorable mention for me, but that's Predator. Okay. Uh, but uh, like that's a movie that like I can quote scenes from. Do you know what I mean? Like in compared to Running Man? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh the reason Predator makes a honorable mention is, first off, the movie's fantastic. OK, but um, in terms of the alien type films, I always preferred aliens over Predator and as a creature itself. Um, this is what this is such a wonderful movie because Predator, there's so much more to it than just the him versus the creature. Like so much more. There's such a heavy backstory. There's such a B, big B storyline with the military incursion and the rescue operation and all that stuff that goes on. It's just really kind of a fascinating film to watch because I felt like they were shooting two movies, if that makes sense. Um, so um, it's just it, I think it's the creature itself. Just I'm always like, you know, I always liked aliens better. So it just, you know, if that makes sense to you at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. Um, this this movie is just a great like classic Arnold movie. Like it's awesome. And I uh, I don't know, like I, I kind of agree with you. Like I always liked the aliens better than the Predator. But I know a lot of people who actually prefer uh, the Predator just and they're it's kind of when they get into like 
specific stats about like a predator versus a xenomorph like which one is actually like stronger and stuff Um, a lot of people who focus on that seem to go with the predator but i've always loved the alien design and the lore more and stuff like that but uh the predator is just a great movie and i think um your comments on how there's like a crazy military subplot i think it's just that's just a testament to how good of just a monster movie this is like this is you could call it a creature feature, but there's a lot of just really interesting stuff going on besides the uh, the whole creature aspect, which is kind of, I think, why this movie is remembered so well. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, ju- I just think this movie has really good and really hilarious dialogue. And it's just got a really the whole movie has a really distinct character. And it's just uh, it's just a really good time and just a really badass flick, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Right. All right. Well, um, what's your next honorable mention? Yeah. So my next one, which I think is going to make you groan, but I went with Jingle All the Way. And uh, I know this movie is really ridiculous and silly, but it's one of those movies that came out when I was a kid and I always wanted to watch it, but I just never got the chance. And uh, I saw it later in life, like actually as an adult. But it's one of those movies that like in my own household is kind of like a Christmas classic. Like we have to watch it every year. <laughs> and this is like family friendly art Arnold, like super goofy. Like the movie's about Arnold trying to hunt down the superhero toy for his son on Christmas Eve. And the toy is sold out everywhere. And it, he just gets in a lot of really goofy, just really funny situations. And I just like this movie from the humor aspect, but I like the, uh, I like the superhero stuff they have in it as well. Like the, uh, the show that this toy is based on that Arnold's trying to hunt down is very similar to uh, Power Rangers, actually. And there's just a lot of cool little superhero touches. And it's just really funny, funny. And uh, I know it's not the greatest movie, but it's it's kind of come to be one of my favorite movies to watch around uh, the Christmas season. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about it. I know this one's really goofy, but it's just I enjoy it a ton. I'm not going to groan. If you said it was your favorite of all time, I, I might have groaned a little bit, but that's pretty funny. That, but uh, no, I'm not going to groan because I get it. It's, it's a decent it's a decent movie. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I will say, too, as the uh, the guy who plays uh, Arnold and his wife's uh, neighbor, and I'm forgetting the actor's name. But uh, I think he was a Saturday Night Live actor, and I feel like he's done um, Simpsons voices as well. But he's just a hilarious, obnoxious neighbor. Like, he has some of the best moments <laughs> in that movie. And, like, the whole time he's trying to, like, make a move on Arnold's wife. And it's just it's just a really uh, it's just a really funny, funny film. Who played the neighbor? I, I would have to look it. I can look it up if if you want to talk about your next I, one. Maybe I want to. I, I feel like it's Phil Hartman, but I could be wrong. That sounds um, like it might be right. Um, I could be wrong, but I feel like that's what it is. Um, all right. So my pick for my actual first pick of the night is uh, a movie called Eraser. Do you ever see Eraser? Yes, I've seen it. I remember very little from this movie, though. Okay. This is basically Arnold Schwarzenegger is a. Uh, he it's law enforcement, but he works in witness protection and um, he has to protect this woman and he does the whole identity thing for her. And then there's a conspiracy to like assassinate her. And then it comes down to him trying to protect her. And it's basically the, it's ultimately a chase movie and stuff like that as they uh, it's, it's the chase film, but at the same time, it's also uh, uh, 
it's the chase film, but it's also like the action stuff and him trying to do the witness protection thing. Um, this is one of those things where it's not a perfect film, but there's so many like fun moments. There are a couple moments where you're like, no way, not possible, but it's an action movie and it's an Arnold action movie. So you just buy it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and if you've ever seen an Arnold action movie, you understand what I mean by that statement. So, um, yeah. Um, but he, uh, but the movie, it's, it's just a lot of fun, man. And one of the things that caught my attention right away is they have a crazy, like sci-fi weapon in it. And, you know, because, you know, she works for like a department that deals with like the specs for the weapon and stuff like that. And it's why she's being hunted down. And it's, it, there's some really cool, like what they're, what they tried doing it, that it's, I think it's definitely worth, uh, you know, noting and it's, it's just a good, I just really enjoy it. It's one I haven't seen in a long time either. Um, um, but yeah, and of course they call him the eraser because he erases your past. And that's not his like code name or anything like that. It's just the title of the film. Cause when they go into witness protection, they have to erase your past so they can give you your new identity and all that stuff. So, um, man, I just wish I had a cool nickname like that. Like the eraser. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, no, that's not, that sounds awesome. I, um, like I said, I saw this movie, I think I was a little kid. So I, uh, I remember thinking it was really, really awesome, but I don't remember a ton of the plot. I just remember some of the action sequences and thinking it was really cool. So this is definitely one that would be fun to, uh, revisit for sure for me. Right on. All right, man. What's your first pick of the night? Yeah, so before I go into that, you are correct, actually. It was Phil Hartman, who yes. was uh, Arnold's neighbor in that movie, who's just a hilarious actor. And his role in that movie is just it's just great. Um, so moving into my next pick, um, this is probably the only other like super goofy pick that I have. But I just had to do it. I went with uh, The Last Action Hero. Um, and this is a movie that I feel like as kids, like this movie was on HBO or something for a while. And I've just seen this movie so many times. And uh, it is later, like it's in, in the 90s. So it is a little bit past Arnold's heyday. Um, but the the concept of the movie is really cool because it's like about this kid who goes to see an action movie with his favorite action movie star who happens to be portrayed by Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he, uh, with a magical movie ticket, he ends up being transferred into this, uh, into the screen. Like he ends up going in the movie and he kind of lives in this, uh, it's kind of just this crazy larger than life movie universe that the whole story takes place in. And, uh, it's just kind of really interesting commentary on the differences between, the real world and how things play out in the movie. And I just love, uh, there's a lot of cool aspects like how, you know, Arnold plays a cop in this movie. And, uh, one of the, one of his fellow police officer friends is like a hybrid film character. You know, it's an animated cat who's just mixed in with real people. And there's just a lot of really creative moments. And, uh, to be honest, my, my fifth pick, cause I had th my top f four picks for my list were super easy, but the fifth pick was just really hard. And, uh, there was a number of movies I was looking at, but when I thought about the last action hero and, uh, all the, all these different moments from the movie that I've just kind of my whole life have been referencing back to, I just had to go with it. Like it's one of those movies where there's a certain moments of the film that I always think about like sometimes I'm in a big city and I'm like, oh, this is like that crazy part of Last Action Hero or like there's a uh, 
in one of the suburbs kind of close to uh, where Drew and I live, there's a super old, like classic movie theater that I went to once. And, you know, walking in, I was like, this is just like the theater in Last Action Hero. And there's just all those sort of touchstones in this movie that I've kind of just been hearkening back to many times over time. So this is maybe a personal pick of mine. Like, I don't think it's objectively the fifth best Arnold movie at all. I just really love this film overall. So. Yeah. Uh, so everything you said, amazing. Uh, Last Action Hero, by the way, I, I don't know if you've watched it recently, but it still holds up. Um, it oh, was that's actually, great to hear. It was actually on. Uh, it was actually on. A, it was on TV one day, and I was like, "Oh my god, I haven't seen this movie forever!" And so I stopped flipping, and the movie just it still holds up. It's awesome. Um, what I love about Last Action Hero is um, the fact that it makes fun of the action genre the same way that like Scream makes fun of the horror genre. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's really so interesting. So when they when they make jokes about stuff and he's like, "What? You think you can just point at a house and say the bad guys are in there?" Like of all my years of like police work, like the bad guys are in there and the kids like, "Yeah, cuz I saw it on a screen." Because <laughs> 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 the kids saw the movie, he knows what the house looks like and he doesn't know he's in a movie, which is great. So they have a lot of those tropes. And I love the bit when they go to the uh, video rental store and uh, the kid he's like, "I want to where's the Schwarzenegger films?" cuz he's trying to prove to him that they're in a movie. And uh, he goes to get Terminator and it's just and Terminator is played by Stallone. And he's like, wait, what? <laughs> Schwarzenegger's like, what are you talking about? That's just, that's one of his best movies. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I actually really I forgot about that moment, but that's yeah, uh, that's classic. They have some great moments there. And then when you get to the uh, and then when you get to like the police station and they have uh, they have some really great uh, gags in the police station with like the cartoon cat because it's a movie and it's all fictional and why not? So you have that cartoon cat police officer and the captain is like uh, one of those uh, cliche action film captains who likes to yell and scream like that. Uh, and it's just it's awesome. Um, and then one of my favorite gags in the movie is when uh, he he's at the precinct and someone says, hey, your ex-wife's online too or whatever. And he's like, OK, great. And he answers the phone. He's like, hi, how's it going? And he's like, yeah, I know that. And you just hear him like, yeah, and it's very just whatever dialogue. And then uh, he you see him get a tape recorder and he puts the phone next to it and hits play. And you just hear his voice going, yep, uh-huh, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he leaves his wife hanging. It's so funny. Um, that, that is a classic gag. And one of the reasons I love that one is because you know that that character – took the time to record that <laughs> at a different day just so he wouldn't have to talk to his ex-wife. It's great. But uh, what were you saying? No, it's just the movie as a whole is just great because then later on, like, yeah, they spend a lot of time in the movie, which is nice and clean and like how it is. And then they get out of the movie and they're in the real world. And then it takes a hold. It takes kind of a darker turn because the real world is not clean and, uh, not clean and perfect the way movie life is it's it's the real world it's gritty and it's dark and um it's it's just an interesting way of playing and it's just it was a really unique way of telling that story um so i agree it's fantastic and because i agree we matched on that one. Oh, awesome i i honestly didn't expect us to match on this one but yeah this neither, is neither did i so oh nice um, we definitely matched that's great um so that throws it back to you man so what's your next pick for the night Right. Um, so my next pick for the night, actually, I'll get I was going to go in a different order, but my next pick of the night, I'm going to go with uh, Predator because we already talked about it. Um, and I just think this movie is great as far as a 
as far as a military movie, as far as a monster movie, like as far as an action movie, this movie's just awesome. Um, I mentioned it before, but there's some really great, um, really crude, but really real dialogue in that movie. And I feel like the Predator sequels have kind of tried. They've attempted to do the same kind of dialogue, and I don't think it's had the same kind of charm as that original cast. But um, no, this movie's awesome. Great creature effects. Um, yeah, it's just. Predator is a great time. If you haven't seen it, just stop the podcast now and watch it right now because it's a great movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. We talked about Predator before. I don't want to, like, you know, just rehash everything I said. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So my next pick for the night is True Lies. Um, I wasn't sure if we'd match on this one or not, but True Lies makes my next one. Um this is basically Schwarzenegger as a spy for the for like it. I don't. It's interesting because I, I feel like it's an offshoot of the CIA. It's like an offshoot, like select organization from the CIA. And uh, he's the spy who his wife doesn't know he's a spy. He's been lying to her this whole life. And uh, she finds out that he is a spy and gets wrapped up in the adventure. And at first she's pissed at him. But then she gets wrapped up in the adventure and all that stuff. And, and you know, it ends up saving their marriage that, you know, he's been telling these lies the whole time. Um, but this is the movie's fun. It's exciting. It's action packed, but there's these really great moments and a lot of it's contributed to Tom Arnold. Um, his character in the movie is great. Like there's the scene where uh, Schwarzenegger thinks his wife is cheating on him and he looks all bummed out and he's like, what's happening? And he's like, my wife, she's cheating on me. And he's like, he's like, Oh, thank God, man. Welcome to the club. <laughs> um, and it's just the way that's, uh, played out and he's like you know he's like you're not the only guy and he's trying to make him feel better and it's not and Schwarzenegger gets pissed off and punches the glass out of the <laughs> truck um, but then there's the scene where Elijah Dushku plays Schwarzenegger's daughter in the movie and uh, she's getting ready to leave for school or whatever and she's got it on her motorcycle helmet because her boyfriend's picking her up on his motorcycle and Tom Arnold walks in the house and he sees her and she's clearly not listening he's like hey how's it going and she's not she's just kind of bobbing her head to like whatever music she's listening to he's like he's like yeah I remember my the first time I got shot out of a cannon too he's <laughs> <laughs> um, really this is really just subtle gags and they're all his lines and they're fantastic the movie the movie overall is just <laughs> funny but it's the fun action movie but he just kind of really lands home and just he drives it you know it's great so yeah what's uh, what's funny is I haven't watched this movie in so long and I've vaguely remember that line and it's just it's too good but this is a movie i really like this movie i remember thinking it was great it's just i haven't seen it in so long that it's just it, it didn't make my list because of that just it doesn't hold up because how the world has changed in terms of our understanding of terrorism okay so, like the terrorist plot that they're dealing with it's not you can't I don't want to say it's racist so much as it's ill informed when they wrote it. Does okay. that make sense? So like when you deal with the terrorism issue and like um, the like uh, I, maybe Al Qaeda or Iraqi soldiers or whatever, whoever the terrorists are in that movie, it's clear that the, when they wrote it, they didn't know enough or the studio maybe said you can't do it that way, that kind of thing. And um, so it. There are parts of the movie that don't hold up, but then there's parts of the movie that are just gold and hold up just fine. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, since we didn't match, what's your next pick? 
Yeah, so the next one I was going to go with is The Terminator, um, the the original one. Yeah, the first one, which um, I feel like we've talked about a bit on the podcast before. um, So I don't want to go super deep, but uh, this is just a classic sort of um, science fiction film, but it has like those horror elements and it's really suspenseful. And uh, I just this is a this is just a classic action movie. And it's got like it's got a really cool concept and uh the way it ends, it has like a really poignant ending and just a lot of really cool concepts to think about after watching the movie. And uh, like Terminator 2 is a great film as well. Um, and I feel like Terminator 2 overshadows the first one in a lot of ways because um, they just stepped everything up a notch. But I still think the, the first one needs to get more credit just because it is a really great film. And uh, one of the things that I've always stuck with that I don't think people mention a lot is I've always really enjoyed the uh, practical effects in this movie. Like uh, the part where I remember uh, the Terminator, like after one of the action scenes, he gets like his face like damaged and stuff and he's uh, repairing himself. And you could, you watch that movie, that part of the movie and practical, practical effects were still, they weren't as advanced as advanced as they are now. So you can tell it's not a real person. Like you can tell it's not Arnold in that moment, but at the same time, he's a robot who's wearing fake skin. So it, it still kind of works, you know, and it's still, you still watch it and you're just like, man, the craft that went into these effects is still really cool to watch, even though it doesn't necessarily look real. And uh, that's just kind of a thing I like about eighties films in general is seeing the special effects. And sometimes you can see the, uh, you can kind of see the seams in between what they're trying to portray, but you can still appreciate the craft that went into it and how they did the best to find some of their solutions at the time. But uh, no, this is just a great film. It started a, uh, a long lasting, awesome franchise. And uh, yeah, I don't know, Drew, do you have any thoughts on the Terminator? I don't know um, necessarily too much else what to say about it. The Terminator, I saw the Terminator, the first one. So I saw Terminator two first. Um, oh, okay. Which is a weird way of like watching that franchise. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Terminator One, it, and it's the issue of technology getting better at the special effects between the two movies. <laughs> if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, so one, if that makes sense, and two, um, I like Terminator Two better than I liked Terminator One, but you can't. It's it's one of those things where you can't have the first one without you can't have the second one without the first one if you will. Um, and there were some really great groundbreaking special effects that needed to be done for them to get to Terminator two. Um, and, uh, I will say that, uh, there's those great classic moments in the movie and there's some really great special effects moments and the action sequences are crazy. And, you know, the scene where he's in the bathroom trying to like, he's not removing his, is he removing his eyeball? Like, yeah, the, that's that's the part the, where where I was talking about. Yeah, eyeball, but that's one of the first scenes where you see like the like the crazy makeup job they did with the, the fake skin over the robot skeleton and that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's the scene that I was that I was uh, talking about, too. But, yeah, that's like the effects in that part are so cool, even though they're not uh, hyper realistic, you know. And then the effects that really got me at the end was when at the end of the movie, when they're being they're being chased at like uh uh, Sarah Connor is being chased and uh, she's got Sarah Connor. And what's the guy's name? Kyle Reese. Yeah. They're being, chased by, they're being chased by the Terminator and it gets like destroyed. 
And then yep. you're like, and then there's that moment where you're like, oh, thank God. And then the thing gets back up and you're like, good Lord. And it, like, it just makes it more terrifying. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. And it was a good call because, uh, with the sort of limited special effects of the time. Um, and I don't, I know this is James Cameron written and directed, correct? I believe or is so. it just, I could, okay, look, so, I could look it up, but I yeah. don't. So, but I think it was a good choice to have that, uh, that sort of, crazy action sequence at the end with the endoskeleton because it's just you know there's a lot of puppetry and uh, maybe some stop motion animation that went into that sequence but dealing with a sort of uh, endoskeleton puppet like that they could really pull off a lot of things that they maybe couldn't have if they were trying to go with a different kind of robot or something like that um, uh, if yes. that makes sense uh, directed by James Cameron right, written by James Cameron and Gail Ann Hurd uh, Gail and okay. Hurd is uh, known well for um, Walking Dead. That's okay. Thank you, because I definitely recognize that name. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah, Terminator. I, I like the movie. I just I like Terminator 2 better. Well, I, th- I think it's an alien and aliens sort of situation where most people like aliens better than alien. But you just have to recognize how amazing of a movie the first yeah. one was as well. And the sort of impact that it left on uh, not only science fiction, but the movie landscape at the time and all that. So agreed. All right. Um, well, my second to last pick for the night is Total Recall. Yeah, awesome. Um, we matched. We matched I totally one, I totally way. figured we were going to match on this one. You and I have talked heavily about Total Recall in the past, um, so we don't need to get too. <laughs> we don't True. need to go into diatribes and talk for hours on this movie because we both know the amount of times that it's come in the 154 episodes that we've been doing this podcast. The amount of times Total Recalls come up, we've probably done a full show on the movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, this movie's great. It still holds up and probably always will. Um, so it, everyone should just go see this movie. Stop what you're doing. Check it out. It's fantastic. So. Well, I, th- I think it's just a movie where the plot is so good and so intricate and esoteric that even though some of the special effects or some of the choices about what the future is going to be like might seem kind of goofy. There's still just that really good story behind it. And uh, that's why I love this movie. It's a great science fiction movie and a great sort of eighties Arnold action film, but it also makes you think, and it has just that really, it just has some really cool concepts that uh, will leave you wondering about the movie for years to come. Um, The only thing else I'll say about this movie is this, I can say is my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Like it just has everything that I want in an action movie or a sci-fi movie. I just think this movie's awesome. Nice. Now in the realm of making you think, yes, this movie makes you think. And I love, and I love what it does. Cause this, this, this movie really messes with your mind when you really pay it. And yeah, you can watch it as a, as a, as just an action film and whatever. But when you really pay attention and you really try and think your way through the movie, <laughs> really screws with you um and it just makes the movie even cooler and it makes me talking about it makes me kind of want to watch it right now yeah well Uh, that that was my experience because this is a movie i watched as a kid and i just thought of it as a cool sci-fi action movie and then i watched it when i was older and i was like no there's just a lot of cool esoteric stuff going on in this movie that i didn't realize the first time so yeah um well did you um did you see them remake no, I still haven't watched it. it. I've, I've been really so. 
I don't know if I'd call it a remake. It's I heard somebody say it could be a sequel or at least take place in the same universe. So for starters, they don't go to Mars. Right. Uh, But um, the the original book that um, the original short story that the movie is based off of was not an action adventure story. It was a very um, it was it was that mind game. espionage kind of a story and it was a little bit more uh lower key as opposed to an action story that schwarzenegger would normally make um the reason i say that is because the schwarzenegger film became an action film when they got schwarzenegger on the movie um when you watch the remake of it it still has its action moments but it seems to be closer to the actual story that was originally written if you watch the short story okay I will say that I prefer, and it has nothing to do with new tech, old tech, that kind of stuff. I prefer the Schwarzenegger version. And it could be because it's a little biased, like I grew up with it. But overall, I prefer the Schwarzenegger version. I think it's just, I mean, I don't know. I feel like we said we weren't going to go on and on about Total Recall, and now we are. But I feel like there is something about the 80s latex science fiction special effects in the original one that gives the movie such a unique character that, like you said, maybe the new one is closer to the source material and maybe stuff seems more realistic and stuff. Maybe it's just not as memorable because, you know, they had CG and, you know, stuff didn't have didn't look so unique. You know, you don't have that quato, you know, you don't have the quato character who just has such a unique gross appearance. That's going to give you that, you know, that's going to be nightmare fuel for years to come and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. And that's, uh, that's why when we did our rated our Muppet movies, um, list that this would be a great one because quato would be a Muppet. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, to not like spend the next like four hours on total recall. Um, do you want me to go with my last pick for the night? Well, I th- yeah, yeah, it would go back to you, wouldn't it? All right, yeah, go for it. And I feel we probably match on this one, and that is, um, for me, uh, and it's probably my favorite of the Arnold Schwarzenegger films, and that's Terminator 2. Absolutely. Terminator right. 2, Judgment Day. Uh, we did yeah. match on this one. Um, uh, and this one I was going to save for second to last, but yeah, this is a great movie to go out on. Um, yeah, and it's just... This is that thing that I was talking about. It's the I feel like they learned their they learned a lot from Terminator one and the technology got better and then they decided to make Terminator two. And I just feel like overall the story's better um, adding in the kid element. It's not like I was looking for something to like it wasn't looking for me uh, trying to uh, how do I want to word it idealize with a character of my age when I saw Terminator two. But it was more of a um, it just it was like a fresh breath water, if you will. Um, and adding the kid element, um, having the good Terminator versus the evil Terminator. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I'm sorry to derail you. Did you just say a fresh of breath water? No, I'm sorry. Breath (laughs) of fresh air. Yes, you probably have it. My my bad. I just, that was just really bizarre. Correct me on that stuff. (laughs) I couldn't tell if I was still at recall or what was going on there, but, uh, no, that's, that's, no, I definitely hear you. But yeah, so I just that they it's like they were like, hey, we learned all this stuff from Terminator one. We're going to do Terminator two and it's going to and we're going to blow up the story. And you get to see more of the um, 
you got to see more of the robot war and you got to see more of what happens in the future and the discussion of judgment day and the day that Skynet goes online and takes over everything. Look, I still make Skynet jokes now. And some people look at me weird, like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, Skynet, man, it's going to take <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, no, this, this movie's uh, this movie's awesome. Like, it's kind of hard to know what to say. I know we've talked about it, but I feel like this movie kind of had a weird, almost like Batman 89 effect on the world where this movie just took over the world yeah, for a time. Yeah, you know? I don't know if it's uh, I don't want to say if I don't know if it'd be that big, but I totally understand what you're talking about. Yeah, it was just like I, I feel like the year or the summer it came out or whatever, it was just Terminator 2 stuff everywhere. <laughs> and like, right. like, I know I was in grade school and me and all my friends were into it and half of us probably didn't even see the first movie or the second movie, but we right. knew about the Terminator and we knew that he was awesome. And everybody had those, uh, like Terminator two, um, like the, uh, Terminator hands that you would buy where you could move the fingers and stuff like everybody had those. And, uh, there's just so many good toys that came out for this movie, but, uh, no, this movie's great. And I don't want to go on and on too much about it, but, um, I was thinking about this movie before the show and I think it's really cool um, how and I don't know if uh, this affected the plot at all, but I think it was so smart to have uh, T-1000 be made of liquid metal because they did have some really like CG effects advanced so much since the first movie. But they still couldn't make everything look super realistic, but they could make liquid metal look pretty be believable. And I feel like it was such a smart call to uh, make the villain made of liquid metal so that um, just it would it just felt so believable without, while also having some just really awesome effects and a lot of awesome action moves with really cool conceptual stuff going on. So, uh, yeah, this is just a great film. It's uh, you know, what else is there to, <laughs> to say about it, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally hear you. Um, but yeah, like the some of those shots of like the, the T-1000 walking through the metal bars and stuff like that, like. The, the liquid metal effects were amazing. And those are effects that still hold up. The, oh, there's only one effect that I don't like, and that's where uh, the T-1000 flattens himself and disguises himself as the floor. Um, right. You don't really see it so much as him coming out of the floor, but the way it's done, I always felt that looked a little too fake. Um, like how did someone not notice kind of thing? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> like, the, like the, like the security guard, how did he not notice? Um, it's like, it's like in a cartoon when you can always tell which rack the character is going to be, you know, picking yeah. up because it's yeah. drawn as opposed to painted sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's the only, that's the only shot of the movie that I don't like in terms of those special effects that I don't like, but it's just cause it just, but it's such a quick clip that it's just like, let it go to who cares. But you know, the movie, mm -hmm. the movie is solid and everything to be from that, you know, but I just love the, the way it makes you think about the future and it makes you think about the, uh, changing the future because we're, we're doing this thing. We know, we know a future event ahead of time. So if we stop it, it's the grandfather pop paradox. You know what I mean? Like what happens? And then when you get into the later movies and you find out that they didn't stop Judgment Day, they only delayed it because the Judgment Day is still inevitable and the machines will still take over. And, you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah. And we could do a whole show just on this. Um, but I am going to try and watch Terminator Dark Fate because it's the one, it's the only one I haven't seen. It is the newest. Um, but it came. But that's one of those like I think it came out right before the pandemic shut everything down. Um and so it was on my list to watch. And now uh, now that I see the streaming on Hulu, I'm going to give it a shot. So 
Yeah, I haven't seen it uh, yet either, but uh, I remember the trailer just looked awesome. And I've heard mixed reviews since then, but uh, I'm somebody I liked. I thought Terminator Genesis wasn't that bad, and a lot of people were hating on that movie, too. So I'm sure. What's that? I liked Terminator Genesis for what it was or what they were trying to do. Terminator Dark Fate, I was like, do we really need another one of these? And then when I saw the. And because the teaser trailer, I was like, yeah, this looks like a Terminator movie. And then when I saw like the full trailer for it, I was like, oh, my gosh, this movie looks great. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Well, how about this, man? Let's throw this episode in the can um, because we've been talking for a while. Welcome back to the show, Peter. Um, Thanks. Um, The uh, uh, you want to know what we're going to do next week? Yeah, absolutely. So before you left on vacation, you and I talked about military movies. Um, and they had to be earth based. And I was literally getting ready to flip the coin on you. And you were like, I'm going on vacation. I'm like, fine, we'll wait till you get back. Um, <laughs> so we're going to do military movies, but they have to be set in space this time. OK, so we're taking we're going full science fiction and we're going to talk about military movies in space. So I hope you can pull five. Um, I'm sure you've seen five. So we're talking Starship Troopers <laughs> and whatnot, those kind of movies. Um, I will say this. Because Star Wars, um, there's a chance that you and I both could just show up with a list of five Star Wars movies, which isn't fair to the other movies. I'm treating Star Wars as a if you pick Star Wars, you can only choose one um, if you want to choose it as a military movie. Um, So I'm just bringing that up because technically you could go, well, I got five Star Wars movies. I'm good to go. It's military, you know, and I (laughs) and and you're never going to stop me from understanding what you mean by that. But if you're going to pick Star Wars, you either have to pick Star Wars as a whole, as one whole franchise and count it as one pick or you pick one of the films. Um, There's this whole conundrum over like. Do you just not pick any Star Wars movies at all because you don't want people to judge the one that you pick? Yeah, true. And, and that's and that's a way to go. I was like, you either choose it as a whole or you you choose it like you just say all the Star Wars movies together is one giant movie. And I'm choosing Star Wars as one pick or you choose one Star Wars film. I just I'm throwing that out there as a rule only because otherwise we're going to have like messed up. Lists. So. Um, and I want to be able to talk about some of the like this is some great military space movies out there. And I just wanted to be able to talk about them. So. Okay. Yeah, sounds great. Um, Yeah, this sounds like it'll be a really fun list. All right, man. Well, let's put this episode in the can. Let's all go to bed for the night. So um, do us all a favor. Um, Check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, You can hit us up um, on our email as well, which is top5report at gmail.com. You can either way works, social media, uh, the email. Um, we are on Google, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us there. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review, which we love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it makes it makes us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me at Drew3927 on all the things. Um, Peter, uh, what about you? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at NinjaPierre. And that's where I'll be telling Batman that it is ice to meet you. (laughs) (laughs) And how long have you been holding on to that for the past two weeks? (laughs) No, I actually thought of it today before the show, but yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. All right, everyone, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.